This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we are talking, I'm thinking of ending things. He recorded, he was speaking, he was talking on the podcast. I sat there, I listened, I was also talking. I'm thinking of ending things. I ain't gonna dream about her arms no more. I ain't gonna leave her alone. Going outside, get myself a Out now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello! Hi! Out now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We dig into via movies via mostly spoiler for your review, the occasional commentary track, or some other fun movie topic. This is episode 419. 419. Wow, 419. It's almost as if we did 418, like, five hours ago. It is almost just like that, but it was probably yeah. more like six hours ago. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, this week... Uh, for episode 4, 119, we are talking Charlie Kaufman's adaptation of I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Yeah, it's available on mm-hmm. Netflix now, and that's what we're going to get into. I will say up front, this is a movie that's from Charlie Kaufman, meaning it has ideas. And that means we are going to delve into it on a more open level. So I feel like sure. we'll go through the film as we do as a regular review, and then we'll kind of get into more things that are you know spoiler heavy talk as far as what's going on in the film or whatnot just to have a better form of analysis of it so be prepared for that yeah. if you haven't watched it already if you have not you know just we'll try to mark it accordingly before we kind of get into into the deep end on this movie makes sense perfect i feel like i said makes sense expecting the audience to reply to me just like, i know <laughs> and i was like i don't that's why i said like perfect i was like i don't who's he talking to so this has just become a charlie kaufman podcast. yeah that's my that's my voiceover <laughs> but, um, yeah. all right Let's get. Oh, you know what? I didn't even introduce our guest who's talking with us. I'm thinking of ending things. Um, <laughs> but joining us this, this evening to talk this movie, <laughs> sweating it up in LA, maybe he could use a long drive through the snow. It's Jonathan Van Dyke. I'm going, going back, back to out now. Hey, <laughs> what up, John? How are you doing? This JVD, evening? you know, I'm I'm doing all right. We're keeping it, you know, we're keeping it a crisp. 70 in this air-conditioned domicile i call an apartment so you're keeping it literally 100 outside the apartment right now yeah no it actually for the first time since i've lived in southern california uh where i lived was 100 degrees so i'm i'm an avid west sider and today the west side decided to act like the east side which is no bueno Mm. (laughs) the grudge has returned you know we'll be okay we'll we'll make it (laughs) well Good, good to have you back here. I look forward. I know you're, you're one that likes to muse about Charlie Kaufman, so I look forward to having this conversation with you on the show here. Um, but yeah, let's get to some show notes first up. Um, by this point, our seven commentaries should be out now, so you can listen to that. That's what we did for this month of September. Our commentary for David Fincher seven, and that was presumably a very fun conversation. <laughs> presumably, it was. What are you talking about? Uh, so yeah, that's out now on iTunes, and speaking of which, you can find our show on iTunes along with all the other episodes that we do there, and you can sign up and subscribe and all that, that'd be great, but also, you could leave us a rating and review, which would pump us up on the old iTunes charts, and be, you know, just, just be, just be a nice extra bonus for us. It's like icing on the cake, man. Exactly. It's exactly like that. Five stars. Mm Mm-hmm. That's what we want. Um... And yeah, I think that's it for show notes. Let's move on. Let's get to uh, the thing that we do here before we get to the main review. What we would have talked about this week 
were things not to have been different based off the dreaded COVID-19. And uh, this week, if everything stayed the same, we would have talked about The Conjuring, colon, The Devil Made Me Do It. Oh, wow. I would have uh, I would have sat in the back with my hoodie up. <laughs> the same way I did that with um, uh, the remake of Fetty Alvarez's uh, remake of um, Evil Dead. Dead. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, this would be the third Conjuring film, going back into the Conjuring Prime, as opposed to the spinoffs that we got with Annabelle and The Nun and mm-hmm. and the that other one that I can't recall right now. What's that other one? <laughs> Which like one are you talking about? Uh, La, La Llorona. La Llorona. Oh, I was yeah. like, the Insidious stuff? I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, the, this... the universe has, has gone, grown vastly. Exactly. That. That uh, this one would have been directed by Michael Chavez, who actually directed The Curse of La Llorona. Um, a film that I did not like overall, but I did I did like what he was doing as a director. I think he was drawing on some Sam Raimi vibes from Evil Dead, speaking of which, which I uh, thought would work well in the you know if he had a better script to uh, work with. Mm-hmm. Um, are you guys? Would you guys have been looking forward to a third Conjuring? John, are you a fan of the first two Conjuring films? I have not seen any of the Conjuring. <laughs> wow, films. really? Yeah. Are you a horror I mean, guy? I don't think you're much. Of a I am a guy. horror guy, but I guess I'm not like. I don't know. I guess I'm more of I'm more of a snobby horror guy. So it needs like you're the kind a of guy that says ele- like... you're the kind of guy that says elevated horror and, and put your monocle back on. <laughs> well, but, and and I will say that um uh yeah like my roommates like are much more into horror. That's how I saw Lyrona like mm. um and stumble onto a few more horror movies than I do. But for whatever reason, I have not watched really any of the conjuring so i didn't even know there was another one yeah it's three of them <laughs> i was gonna say i'm i'm more i'm more of a like yeah like cabin in the woods or mm-hmm. or like what was the one where uh the person like it follows yeah mm-hmm. the like it's ah, gonna be yeah, 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 so yeah. either subversive or like the dreaded elevated i think generally get me in the room i can't wait for the the haunting of Hill House uh, second season or yeah coming up so yeah uh, that was like my favorite so I do like horror but I, I I don't do as much of the like straight up this is genre dump type of horror mm-hmm. I guess fair enough well, fair enough Abe yeah. were you would you be looking forward to a third Conjuring film bringing back Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson. Honestly, I probably would have been, and I I think it's because The Conjuring has been a, an interesting uh they, they've been two of the more interesting of the original uh base movies if that makes sense sure um the second one wasn't as uh as like maybe interesting because of it, it starts going into like the vera formiga side of the story but the bill guy is is spooky as hell right and the first one i think we enjoyed quite a bit um so i would have been interested to see where this goes as far as the spinoffs go no not not a big fan of the nun but um i'm curious about it and patrick wilson there was something on twitter just recently where patrick wilson they were just saying like he's the he's he's been in like 40 movies or 4,000 movies and he just doesn't want to be famous and patrick wilson replied with like oh you got me so you know what's (laughs) not to like i didn't know that he replied that's funny yeah he he like quote replied to it and it's like you you found me out and so it's it's very fun, but I would have been interested in it for sure. How about you? Um, as you may recall, I 
it's not that I don't like The Conjuring, but it's just I don't put it that high uh, for <laughs> me. I, I, I like what James Wan's doing in those films, and him not being back is like, well, okay, we'll see what happens. But I, I, I am a big fan of Annabelle Creation. I think that's the best movie of this cinematic universe that has been created out of The Conjuring right. um, successfully, no less. Um, so, I, I mean, a third Conjuring? Yeah, sure, I'll see what it does. I, I, I think the, the, the uh, what, the Warren family i I, that's Mm -hmm. uh the they're they're based on true story um aspect of these uh conjuring films is neat as much as i don't put stock in the idea of them being actually true stories but uh yeah put them back together see a film yeah i I, i'd be interested to see that i I don't know how amazing it will be but i you know i I don't dislike this franchise i I keep coming back to it even if i majorly dislike some of the entries in it uh, <laughs> like the nun for example right uh, but yeah, yeah. no tra- no trailer yet we all, all we had was like i think just like a title like a like a banner okay. that you know just says the conjuring the devil made me do it not even a still image huh i don't believe so and if it was it'd probably just be you know wilson and farmiga wearing tweed and in a like a with a flashlight a fla- a exactly exactly cover. with a flashlight yeah. in an attic <laughs> something <laughs> Um, as we said, the film was supposed to come out this week, but it's been delayed all the way to next June, June 4th, 2021. That's when wow. it'll be coming out in theaters. So got some time yeah. <laughs> to wait. A lot of time in post-production for that one. So yeah. So that's what we would have talked about. So now we can move on to our main review for I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Jake, my boyfriend. It's snowing. Winter is coming in. We have a real connection, a rare and intense attachment. I've never experienced anything like it. I'm thinking of ending things. Huh? What? Did you say something? I don't think so. Weird. I'm visiting Jake's parents for the first time. He hasn't been my boyfriend for very long. They really are looking forward to meeting you. I think of ending things. Hello? We're here. Oh, hi. Oh, it's all wet. Here they come. Jeff has told us so much about you. He's told me so much about both of you, too. And you came anyway. (laughs) Jake tells me you're studying quantum psychics. Physics. Really? But there's just something profoundly wrong here. Are you okay? Yeah. I think you're ending I am so glad Jake has found someone. <laughs> Soon this will all be a distant memory. Who's this? It's me. No, it was me. I tell you, I would misplace my own head if it wasn't screwed onto my own head. I feel like I was seeing them as they were. Seeing them as they will be. Seeing them after they're gone. I'm thinking of ending. stay here. Excuse me? You don't have to go. I don't have to go where? Forward. Okay, that should have been some of the trailer for I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Based off the novel by Ian Reid, Charlie Kaufman's adaptation of I'm Thinking of Ending Things features Jesse Buckley as a young woman and Jesse Plemons as Jake, a couple headed to meet Jake's parents. As we learn... From the young woman, she's thinking of ending things. We hear this over and over as she provides voiceover for the film, overheard during a long car trip that serves as the film's first act. Eventually, we get to meet 
the parents at their house. The parents are played by Tony Collette and David Thewlis, where things begin taking some turns toward the weird. Oh, and there's also a janitor. We're also following him throughout the movie as well. John, were you thinking of... Sorry. What were you... Yes. Oh, he wanted it. He wanted yeah, it. Yeah, I was like, he, where's he this He was button? feeling himself. He was feeling himself. <laughs> John, what were you thinking of coming out of this film? I will say, I mean, I felt pretty good coming out of this film. Um, I'm admittedly coming on here. Uh, like we'll just put it on the table now that like Charlie Kaufman is essentially my favorite writer of any of the things. And so I do come in like knowing that this is going to be a movie I'm probably going to vibe with, but then also knowing I was coming in here, it definitely made me scrutinize it more. And knowing that I wasn't as into his last movie, Animalicia, I think I just, and it's been so, or wait, I screw that up. Gosh, darn it. (laughs) That's how much it mattered to me. No, um, but uh, I guess there were just a lot of competing things when I was going into this movie because I was just so excited to kind of have one of my favorite movie people back in the mix. And I, I'm kind of happy to say that I feel like this is a return to form and, and in some ways pushes him forward a little bit. But I do think you can also come out of it with a little bit of reservations. Like, we do... I I think you could cut around the edges a little bit. And so, like any Charlie Kaufman movie, it does achieve what I hope, which is you leave the movie and you instantly want to talk with people about it, read about it, think about it. It's the next day, you're still thinking about it. And so I do think it's a worthwhile piece of art. Um, And I do think... It's a little bit of a return to form of some of his more accessible, uh, like prose or his accessible skills. Like, but there is something that prevents me from giving it pantheon level for him. So I still think it's a notch below some of his best stuff. Uh, but I thought it was really exciting to have. Uh, Charlie Kaufman back to have him on Netflix, which I think is actually going to benefit this movie, and we'll talk about why I think that a little later. Um, and so I was entertained, but there were enough uh, edges that needed to be kind of dealt with. I, there are just some some things on the margins that I can't come at you and be like, that movie changed my life as much as some of his old stuff. Um, but I do think it was a really good movie, and I'll, maybe I'll kind of start with, with that and let you guys take it over a little bit. Fair enough. Hey, we haven't had a chance to talk about Charlie Kaufman in depth before on the podcast. Uh, Anomalies has come yeah. out since we started, but we didn't really do an, in, a full review on that one. So I'm curious, where are you with this film and how Kaufman's style tends to affect things? Yeah, I mean, to answer the latter question first in terms of Charlie Kaufman's style, I'm a big fan of Charlie Kaufman's style. I like the weird, and I like... Like, um, sometimes it's, it's a little bit more of, um, creative too. Cause, uh, I think that, did he write science of sleep or did he? No, that's, that's pure Gondry. Uh, mm-hmm. Pure Gondry. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But, um, like 
a, a movie like Science of Sleep and also like being John Malkovich or adaptation where it's like weird but wonky and like you also enjoy it as you're watching through. It's not like intentionally trying to I at least I don't think it's it's not intentionally trying to confuse you. It's just trying to be like its own self. Uh, I'm a big fan of that. So when when directors or writers they put their own stamp on their work, um, and they don't necessarily like they don't tend to be like too auteurish. And sometimes Christopher Nolan won't answer a question about Inception because he's like, well, it's up to you to decide. It's like you're the director and you're the writer. You probably have your own opinions about this too. It'd be great to know it. Um, as far as this movie goes, I do like this movie it starts as one thing and then you start watching it and you start noticing a few weird things about it and then it starts getting into more uncomfortable territory and then uh the movie sort of like takes a spill into like what's happening and then i started thinking about it and then i read a few pieces of like this is one of the saddest movies i've ever seen in my life (laughs) um and uh, and then I was like, oh, this title is super on the nose. Um, but with all that being said, I, I'd say like the movie is well choreographed. It is well crafted. It is well executed. Their acting is super spot on. I mean, Jesse Plemons, who would have thought coming out of Friday Night Lights that he's going to be the, the most breakout star of that show. Um, but then you also have uh, Jesse Buckley who I haven't seen before. I know that she's been in some movies that you guys have recommended, but I haven't seen her. Wild Rose, Beast. And like Beast, yeah, I think that's the one that you recommended. But um, she's very good in this too. She plays like the the girlfriend character, but then she also plays the character that we're rooting for. um, And we're we're also like concerned for her well-being at times and whatever else. But then um, David Thewlis and and, uh, Tony Collette, they're also great. Um, Like when the movie starts picking up, and you start wondering what is happening here and what am I actually seeing? Um, it did make me uncomfortable and it made me actually fearful in some degrees because um, the character gets it to it later where she's talking about how, oh, I shouldn't have been nice to this guy because he's, he's such a weirdo. And this is what I get for being nice to people. And I was like, yikes, you know, like if it's that kind of message of a story or if that is, if it's that kind of uh, story with the message, and I was like, that's that's a definitely like a, a, like a PSA type thing, but you know you, you get through with the movie, and I think that it's, it's well done. Um, so good job on Charlie Kaufman. Charlie Kaufman. To John's point, the Netflix part of it, I hope that people will check it out. But I also think that um, if we were to go with like the Netflix, like uh, not Pantheon, but the Netflix top movies that have been distributed by Netflix, this would be one of them. All right, um, that's high. That I would say that's high praise. There's, um, I, I, I do like this movie quite a bit. I've watched it a couple times at this point, just because I think there's a lot there, and it's worthwhile as far as what it's trying to show you and what you can gather from it once you kind of know more about it after an initial viewing. That's not to say that the movie only works if you watch it twice. I don't believe in that, um, but mm-hmm. I do think because I was so into what this movie threw out there, I was happy to kind of dig into it again because why not it's right there in front of me on netflix um which i think john that's what you're kind of alluding to as far as its position on the streaming service um i do 
for one thing, I, I, I keep thinking as a joke to myself that Charlie Kaufman very specifically hired two actors both named Jesse. Um, and then he just lucked out at yeah. having two very good actors that are both named Jesse. Um, <laughs> but I do think that's a huge part of why this movie works. I think both performers do a fantastic job in playing very tricky roles because of what's required of them without getting too far into things just yet. There are basically layers to say the least of what these characters are, what they represent, what they mean to each other and so on and so forth. And to play all of those things while still making a film that I found to be very engaging, um, I think is especially impressive. Uh, Another thing since we're following Buckley for a majority of the movie, her voiceover is very well done, which is something Kaufman is very good at. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he's more than maybe anyone I can think of offhand as far as modern filmmakers go. He knows how to use voiceover as a, you know, as a tool uh, to, to really like, not just like have it to have it, but to have it to like weaponize it and use it in a way where it just feels unlike anything as far as stream of consciousness goes and uh, give it, providing exposition that you don't really know is exposition or elaborating on themes and ideas in ways that you just don't seem to expect. I think he's very good at doing that, and I think the way it comes out in this movie is very well handled. Um, I was also impressed with how pretty straightforward the film actually seems. Like I don't right. think Kaufman is trying to... I say this knowing that it goes to places that are going to be odd and obviously not everyone in a, you know the world is going to be like man I got this right away and this is super easy to understand or I have no problems with this whatsoever. I understand that it's a movie that's daring to be certain kind of complex let alone I don't I hate using the word pretentious but it's certainly like you know it's informed by himself as far as what he wants to put on screen. So in saying that and in thinking of other Kaufman films the fact that this one feels like it lays things out pretty clearly as if he's not trying to trick you because he's not he's just making a film the way he knows how to make a film i found that to be pretty refreshing actually mm-hmm. i because i like i'm a huge fan of synecdoche new york but that film is a puzzle box <laughs> like it can't but, just, see, it has... <laughs> what? what i don't i don't want to interject here but i guess that's actually my caveat it, and that's been interesting you're not the only person i've heard say that this is laid out pretty straightforward because to me this one veers into the like. Unfortunately, my I, I want to like talk about old Kaufman films when I'm talking about this one because I think the reason I love Charlie Kaufman so much is that his early movies like Eternal Sunshine or The Spotless Mind and Adaptation and even being John Malkovich uh-huh. um, had kind of a narrative push forward and straightforwardness where like you did go kind of from point A to point B even if it was crazy like it was very like forward, like I could recommend Eternal Sunshine to anybody because there's some sort I think of that's like his most commercial film. I'd agree with that. Yeah, I, but even like an adaptation, like they had this like kind of propulsiveness to them that like you didn't like. I understand what you're kind of saying is that like this is very straightforward in that it's like to, to two be people fair, though, driving you're, you're, you're to speak- a parent's house to meet the parents kind of deal, and those don't have that as much. But this one. still gets into like the abstract where i would when i recommend this movie but i but unlike some of those other ones i feel like i have to recommend this one with the caveats of like watch out it's gonna get pretty brainy or a little abstract but to be to be fair you're speaking to films that he didn't direct i was i was specifically speaking to Kaufman's directed films and i think of between synecdoche new york anomalisa and this 
this one, I mean, this one has more of an A to B. Even not Annalise is pretty straightforward. It's just really depressing, and the David Thewlis' character is <laughs> terrible, and I don't think enough credit's given to how the lead character is a horrible person. But, <laughs> but, um, but I think... But he's um, like a stop-motion animated figure. I mean, you can't hate that guy. He's not even real. You can't if you look at his actions yeah. in the movie. <laughs> but, um, like, right. And, 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 so... why, and why he's suffering from things to begin with. <laughs> but but, but to, to speak to this film, I yeah, I know, and I was trying to pepper that by saying, I understand that, yes, not everyone's going to be like, this needs to be on the top of the Netflix charts because of how easy it is to watch. I'm not saying that. But I am saying, as far as a movie that's going to kind of escort you towards the surreal, which it certainly does, I like the path that it takes you on. I like how it takes you down that path. Uh, it might be it seems like it's more trying for people to sit through the fact that there's a lot of car rides in this movie as opposed to mm. the weird stuff that happens in it um and if that loses you that loses you but as far as i was concerned i was intrigued by these conversations they were having i enjoyed the visit to the parents house and how that got warped and then it just goes into a whole new area where right. we will get to that later but yes that certainly is complex but I was just – I was into what it was doing. I was into the various well, moves it made, and I found that to, to – and to wrap up in general, I just found this all to be very interesting. Yeah, totally. And you and I talked pre this podcast about just the straightforwardness of the movie, and I think what I mean by that is that there aren't too many plot twist elements. Like it's not as though I'm trying to piece together – it's not like a Shutter Island where I'm like piecing together things I'm like, well, well, this is what this means, and this is really that. It's like – it's actually pretty straightforward when you think about it after, post-fact. Um, like I said, I don't think it's trying to trick you. That's my thing. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not arguing, John, that it's not weird or it's not abstract or what have you. It has all of those elements. I'm totally, just saying I don't, yeah. I don't think the film is coming at me saying, you're not going to get this. you got to work on it. I think, yeah. it's, I think it's trying to put it out there as straightforward as it kind of can, even though it has these things going on. Well, I think that's actually aided by the source material because he didn't write it originally. It's adapted right from uh from the book and so when i was watching the movie i also thought well i also kind of miss that or i wish that it was weirder too if that if that even makes sense right i I wish it was more charlie kaufman-esque you know i think that's where i'm basing the fact that i'm of what i'm calling it maybe straightforward is just not the best word but that's where that's coming from it's that i was more or less expecting something to go off the rails even further than it actually seems to yeah does that make Um, does that make sense that makes sense. It's just it's just interesting because I, I I don't know. I just feel like it is. I mean, it essentially gets off the rails the later we get into the movie, oh, for sure. which it, yeah. it builds into that. And I don't know if there's a good way to pivot here, but I I do think the craft of this movie is very impressive. Yes, I agree. I think that that's something that's like kind of been an evolution. Obviously, we talked about the fact that. Uh, I love Carly Kaufman because of his screenplays, but he very much wanted to get behind the camera. He did that with Synacity and 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 the next movie. And <laughs> <laughs> I Don't love it, John. I love it. You know, what are you saying? Am I avoiding saying the name? Then I'm not. <laughs> I, was <waiting> for <laughs> I was waiting for your second interpretation of the name. Yeah. I'm just not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do uh, it. Um, you know, but Okja. But That's anyway, called, right? this is. Hey, I remember that. Um, <laughs> but this movie is shot in a. It's a square. Yeah, uh, it's used three. very interestingly. Also, um, there is just a very like specific visual palette that's very. I think it's kind of like looking back at Synecdoche. I think it's becoming a little bit of a Kaufman-esque palette. I think he takes a little bit from his time with Michelle Gondry on it as well. 
but the it's use of the camera. I mean, the, the, there's the, the, they're all influencing each other. I, I see. Yeah, sure. and, and and the use of the camera, like there's a lot of like mini pans in very claustrophobic spaces, right. and I think that this movie accomplishes something that you. I mean, obviously, he's worked with great directors, so they have their own moods and stuff. But this movie, beyond almost the other ones, has a very specific mood and aesthetic that like lingers in the movie, and and I think really does some heavy lifting beyond the screenplay, which is is kind of a, a really nice. I don't know if it's not necessarily a surprise, but I think it's it's nice to see that evolution of Kaufman and kind of. Just see how well, I mean, it's, it's very clear he works well with his actors. I mean, Jesse Buckley is definitely in the pantheon, even if this movie isn't in the pantheon of Kaufman movies for me, her performance and her delivery of his dialogue is definitely uh, up there as far as people are able to kind of give that sardonic, kind of depressive but funny wit that he, he has coursing through the film. And so... Um, if even if you're you know struggling here or there, I think the movie does a good job of of holding your hand through it through sheer kind of mood and atmosphere and directing, which is is I think a nice uh, evolution of Kaufman's skills. To to speak to the kind of the production, the technical skill, and specifically, you know, looking not to call completely back to this movie, but looking to our discussion on Mulan earlier, Abe, I mean. This movie is made for, I imagine, a significantly less amount of money, but it feels bigger. You know what yes. I mean? Like there's something, I, I know you mean. there's something, and especially in the Netflix parameter where there's a lot of Netflix films I like. There's a lot that I, there's a lot that I don't, but some of them, it's more on the ones that don't, obviously they, you can kind of see the kind of, there's a way they make their movies. There's a way the, that regardless of how much freedom they have, there is a kind of feel that's not too dissimilar for something like the MCU as far as. A, a certain kind of machine where you can operate within that, but you're still within that. And that's what Netflix films tend to feel like. This one, I feel like Kaufman's using that to, again, to his advantage because of the nature of the story, because of the characters and the limited, you know, places he can go. Again, there's a lot of this movie that takes place in a car. I still feel like that he's getting a lot out of that anyway. There's a lot of, there's a lot of depth to the locations we go to, to the rooms that we're in, to the school that we visit to the 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 non Dairy Queen, like there's just a lot of stuff there. <laughs> it feels like it feels like a movie, but is I guess is the best way to say it. I mean, it it, it really does. And I mean, that's, yeah, that, that's another thing that impressed me. I, I do want to tag on to everybody's technical aspects of things because, um, John, you you both you and Aaron both talk about like spacing and and geometry in this movie. I love the way that he decided to film some things, right? You know, Aaron, to your point, it does feel big. Like you're actually only in like three places. But it felt as though I was in like the openness and the vastness of like rural Oklahoma. Um, and I, I again, I felt uncomfortable at sometimes because I was like, I don't know what's happening on the outside, but I know where we're going. Uh, and then the other part of it, too, is um, this has great sound design. Like, yes, yes, it is. Like the way that um, the wipers hit the uh, the windows as she's. Soliloqu- uh, solilo- 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 soliloquying in her... Yes! Now, Suffer uh, yeah. with your pronunciation, no! Abe. Uh, the curse of John Van Dyke! <laughs> As she's having a soliloquy in her mind, um, you, know, the wipers, you hear the wipers, and you just hear the wind howling. Sometimes the wind overtakes the wipers. Uh, as you're going into the house, I actually had to pause it, because I was like, is there scratching 
in my in my like in my roof uh but it's just like the noises from the house um and so there, there's like great sound design in here um the lighting is is his own specific lighting but i actually like the way that it takes shape the the way that the the he uses some lighting sometimes mm-hmm. um so john to your point i i do think that it's expertly filmed um he specifically wants some uh, some shots and he's able to get them. I and mean, the, the shot that I think about a lot is as they're having dinner, he just pans the camera until she's the only one in the frame. And there's just this immense feeling of isolation. <laughs> it was just like, yeah, I, I get it. You know, especially like on rewatch or like upon second thinking, you're just like, oh, man, this is a very lonely setting. Um, I'll, and, um, I'll just uh-huh. point out that the cinematographer is Lucas Zoll a Polish cinematographer who's worked with um, Pavel Pawlowski, who directed Ida and Cold War, films that I am a huge fan of, but were both nominated for Academy Awards for Best Cinematography. Yeah, the 8 8 Minute Club. Yeah, and uh, let alone the 4 by 3 like, Academy Ratio Club as well, no less. Right. So the technical aspects of this movie are very good. Um, sound design, the cinematography, um, the lighting, and also uh, uh, just some of the directing. So... Um, but I do want to I do want to ask you guys about um, I guess the how do I phrase this I do want to ask you guys about how the plot unravels not not in a bad way but just how it unfolds and did you guys feel on first watch did you guys feel uncomfortable at certain moments where you like what's this guy's deal like what's Jesse Plemons's deal and then like is is uh I guess her name is Louisa. Is Louisa in danger? At she some has point? no name. It, it's, she it's, has no name. I guess it just shows. It, she well, has. A, she's, mean, given she's, she's given a number of names. Yeah, she's given a number of names. She has a few names in the movie. She's credited mm-hmm. as young woman. As young woman, right? <laughs> which is, we'll get into that in spoiler here. But did you guys feel like a sense of threat for her or or worry for her? I think that that's part of why I like these performances because it feels mm-hmm. like. Here's an example. So American Psycho, you have Willem Dafoe playing a police officer, a detective. Mm-hmm. The direction he was given in that movie was every scene, uh, they're going to film it a couple of different ways, where he's going to be suspicious, think uh, Christian Bale's innocent, and definitely think he's guilty. And they use mm-hmm. alternate takes for every every shot of him. So every time you're looking at him, he has there's three there's one of three different reads that he did to act that performance. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of going on here. Um, with the with with uh, specifically with Clemens and, and Buckley, I, I think sure. there's a lot. Like I said, there's a lot of layering to these characters, and I think the way they're going about it is giving them different versions of the kind of scenes they're playing and mixing those around. So as a result, yes, you get things that sometimes there feels like there might be a sinister intent. Sometimes it just feels awkward. Sometimes it feels awkward, yeah. and sometimes it feels like kind of playful, and it just keeps like swapping around. And that also comes into play as far as the many references that are going on here, and there's more to talk about there when we get to kind of more spoiler territory, but there's a lot of very deliberate things they are referencing based off stuff that we oh, see yeah, throughout course. this film. Um, right. And so I, I find it all pretty interesting. And like going into it, I knew there was like the, the word psychological thriller was being thrown around as far as how to describe this movie. And I'm not going to necessarily say this, you know, assigns itself to a specific genre, but I know where that comes from, I guess is the best way to put it. I mean, I th- there's definitely a sense of dread underneath everything but what's interesting is i think and maybe that goes even to what aaron is kind of positing here which is kind of a an interesting theory that 
kind of makes sense because <laughs> yeah. I do think you get kind of whiplash where sometimes you're like feel yeah you're like feeling a dread from one person and then all of a sudden it like kind of does a camera cut and when you come back to them they it, the mood has changed but I would say there's an unknowable dread so I didn't feel necessarily dread I didn't know what to feel dread for got it <laughs> I didn't know if I was feel like I was worried about her or I worried about the situation or something in his past or like if the janitor or, would ever clean the whole school. Yeah. It, <laughs> it, and so it was definitely like you were just but but there was definitely a mood of like something sinister at the at the margins. You're right. waiting for a ball to drop, right? Because mm-hmm. the movie I mean, we're as I was saying there's a straightforwardness I, we're arguing to some degree, but at the same time, it's like, this has to be leading somewhere. <laughs> like, there has to be some kind right, of yeah. result that's going to come out you of know, this. Yeah, where I land on the uneasiness of it is, you know, Aaron, that's actually a really interesting uh, point that you brought up of just, maybe it's alternate takes that's being spliced together. I, I When I watched it, I just was like, oh, this is expertly crafted. Meaning like, oh, this is really clever the way that he wrote it or the way that he shot it and the way that he edited it. Um, because and it's, just, you know, it's the kind of thing where, None of this is on accident. Like you don't you don't no, make a movie exactly. like that, yeah. that's what I was yeah. that's what I was giving it up to is just yeah, like for sure. oh he he crafted it that way for me to see two different color sweaters on the drive to the to the house, you know uh-huh. what I mean? Yeah. Um stuff like that. But if it was alternate takes, that's actually really clever too cuz like what you're saying, it's different feelings and maybe that adds to this nervousness that I'm feeling as they're driving as she's wondering about trying to end this relationship you know, the awkwardness at dinner and then the drive home where it's just like, why is this taking so long? You know, like, where, I don't want to go to your school kind of thing. You know, it's like, oh, what is going on here? So maybe that maybe that is um, intentional, too. And and again, that's the uneasiness is I'm glad that you guys have you guys have actually opened my eyes up to, to perhaps what I was feeling. But that's um, what we're here for, Abe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the good stuff. Give me that top shelf stuff. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I was just curious about that because uh yeah, I, I like what I mentioned at one point. I thought the movie was just like a cautionary tale of don't be nice to to strangers because they're crazy. Yeah, <laughs> and you know as the movie goes along and she's she has to explain how they've met a couple times, and the more she explains it, the less romantic it is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so it's just like, oh, he was just there, and then she decided that. Uh, the best way to get him out of her face was just be like, yeah, here's my phone number. And then I was like, this is this is making me feel kind of like weird and icky. But again, when you think about it in the context of the entirety of the film after the fact, it's just like, wow, that was that took me for a ride. So without going too far into it just yet, because we'll go to that, I guess, next. Let's talk. Let's let's talk around the ending a little bit as far as what our reactions were to where this film goes. The film we've, as we've established, there's, there's a, there's a couple, there's a few acts as normally as there in the, there is in a film. But like after this, during the second act, we meet the parents who we have, we talked about Tony Collette or David Lewis at all. I think they're very good in this movie. Um, yeah, we mentioned them briefly. Yeah. Um, but so after that, there's another drive which leads to other territory. Were you? Obviously, it takes a turn towards the abstract as we've gotten into. Mm-hmm. Were, were you? satisfied or more intrigued or perplexed by kind of how things went during the kind of last third of this movie? Um, I would say 
I think the ending is earned, but like I do think the ending is is both a complication of the movie and one of the best parts of the movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, it's so it's so tricky for me to kind of review this because it is just there's so much inherently kind of like discussion worthy of it and and i when i come on here i do want to like think about if i was just doing any general audience member out there who knew nothing about anything and and i was just like go see this movie and i would say that this the ending can be a little hectic and out of control and i could see to some viewers, it, it turning them off in some ways. And so, but it's also one of the most beautiful parts of the movies. Right. And it's, I think it's such like a, uh, such a, I mean, it's Charlie Kaufman. It's such like an English major movie in some ways. <laughs> yeah. I um, and so I have, I just kind of struggle with how to just talk about it because it's like on the, what I was kind of saying before is that, like, some of those other movies, I could be like, look at this, like, English major movie that I could show, like, somebody, like, anybody. And that was kind of, like, why, like, I really championed him. And I do think that the ending somewhat contributes to my hesitation to just give this a, a recommendation to anybody. Because mm-hmm. I think it does get a little crazy, a little, like, there's... More of, the, more of the parts that could jumble people or kind of leave them scratching their head, the movie does hurdle toward that rather than kind of... The movie starts out the most normal, and you would expect that it would go normal to crazy. I mean, that there is, but but I would say that they, they keep turning the volume up on kind of some of the parts that might confuse an audience or might, you know, take it a little off the rails. And so... I think, though, that it's a tribute to the filmmaking that it's kind of still cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, like, maybe even if you were like kind of like, oh, did it really go this direction? You'd still be like, but that was kind of entertaining. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I, I basically feel the same way, Aaron and, and John, where I think that the ending has... Um, it, it added a layer of confusion, but it also added this layer of maybe what I perceived as clarity of, mm-hmm. oh, that's who these people are, and this is what happened. And there is a scene, which we'll get to, which is ultra beautiful. And I was like, I don't know, like, who would have thought? And then I was like, oh, I guess Charlie Kaufman would have thought. <laughs> and uh, as the movie fades into uh, credits, um I I wasn't confused at that point. I was just sad, and not for probably the person that I thought I was sad for. Um, it would have been for uh, maybe a different character or a couple of different characters. And then I get to the the like the full on ending, and I'm just like sitting there, and I was like, why am I looking at this shot? Um, and I I just was like, hmm, that's a that's a good one, Charlie Kaufman. You pulled a fast one on me there. So, uh, confusion, but I mean, it I'd was call, a very fitting ending. I'd call it good confusion. Like, that's the best way I can explain it, because yeah. that's what it felt like. It's not something I was able to, like, 
look at and be all together on right away the second I watched it, but it certainly maybe kept thinking about it, but I was not, not enjoying all the stuff that was taking place in this kind of surrealist third act of the movie. I And the benefit of rewatching it, again, not required, but I just wanted to, is that the ending doesn't come out of nowhere. Like, everything that you see take place oh, completely. is completely set up. Like, right. So it's, it, again, it's not like these things are accidents or unintentional, which I think is very key to, you know, films that just ask you to try a little bit harder, um, which, I mean, it is. Like, there, there shouldn't be any shame in that. It's like, yeah, not every movie needs to be entirely easy to stomach. I mean, there's something like this, which we've described already as straightforward, does have complications going on as far as how it wants to take the audience on a different sort of ride as far as resolving its narrative and understanding who these characters are and what they mean. I liked all of that. I was, again, if you're going to give me a long car ride where people are just talking about a bunch of nonsense, cool. If you can make it interesting, which I think this film does, they've accomplished that. If you're going to take me even further into the unknown, the, um, the movie does that too. And I was uh, I was into where that took where that took place. And then, yeah, the there's a final shot in this movie that is uh, devastating <laughs> if you kind of understand what's taking place there. Um, I let's I want to get us into spoilers. I will just I want to mention this thing one real quick though, and I won't reveal I guess the name, but the movie within a movie joke made me laugh hysterically. Uh, yeah, uh, it, it, there, it, it, it killed me. The, the yeah, cut to it that was me. Pretty, that was pretty clever. Like I was like, oh. really? That's a that's a funny thing. But at the same time, I was like, I wonder if they're friends. Which I read. There's a mm. whole story. I'm not gonna go over it. I'll try. Maybe if I remember, I would put a link to it in the show notes. But they're uh-huh. basically they they were working on something together. It okay. didn't end up going through, but they liked each other well enough, and he asked permission, and he said yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that's, 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 that's that's the too and long I, don't read version. And I think for people who should know that there are. I think when you leave the movie, you kind of forget almost some of those. But there are, I think it's a return to some of those more tongue-in-cheek, funnier moments <laughs> that we uh-huh. saw in some of his early films. Whereas last were kind of just like black holes of emotion. One that didn't work for me and one I think is like a staggering film achievement. But like, it was kind of nice to have, yeah, a goofy... A goofy homage to uh, a, a certain genre of film, or or just like some of the monologue esque uh, dialogue, especially coming from Jesse Buckley's character, where you're just like, this is just this is fun, like yeah, and 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 like I I think there is a lot of fun to still be had in this movie that sometimes does still get kind of overshadowed by overall what the movie is. Yeah. Um, uh, and, but, but I think he definitely like, there's more of a complete emotional existence in this movie than we're probably even alluding to. Completely. And you're, you're totally, you guys are both right about like the, the, how funny it is. But I think John, you mentioned earlier, um, it's actually really Jesse, uh, not Jesse Plemons. Who's the other Jesse? Buckley. Jesse Buckley, who really executes on the humor of it all, and that's what elevates it, right? Because there's, you know, whenever she's just doing like that little side raspberry with her mouth with her thumb, she's like, Pfft. it's like that fucking cracked me up because of what it represents, but also how she's doing it, and you know, simple stuff like that where the actor really elevates the writing. Uh, huge fan. 
So, but I do. Th- uh, oops, sorry, yeah. I was just going to say that if we are about to get into spoiler territory, I guess I would just say before we get into some of the stuff that probably is a more fun conversation is that like I I think this is a really good movie, but I do think that there there is a barrier of entry, <laughs> and and I guess I'd be remit and I hope people want to be challenged in that way. Yeah. But it is challenging. And so if you don't, uh, you know, I don't want you coming back to us and being like, oh, that movie was out of control. I didn't, I'm not into that. Like, you have to be ready for this kind of movie. And I do I do think that um, that 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 could there is heavy lifting to be done. And that but I do think that Charlie Kaufman is like one of the best in the business of if you want to be challenged but still get some of uh, like a hint of popcorn in there, a hint of fun, <laughs> a hint of, of like, I don't know, I mean, you know, pop, like more of like, you know, uh, a poptimist <laughs> type of <laughs> bent to an art house movie. Then he does that, but it's not as much like, but if you are like, I like to turn on sunshine a lot. I'm going to try this movie. They're completely different beasts when it comes to kind of some intellectual heavy lifting and kind of just being a little bit more of a difficult film. All right. Well, I want to get us into spoiler territory now, so I'm just putting that out there. I'm mm-hmm. not, I, unless Abe wants to add a giant like alarm sound or something, let's just say, hey, there's getting spoilers now. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> John, John did it for us. Um, so... We're gonna let's talk about this now. I get how do you approach this? I get I mean, if you want to get specifically into basically once they get to the school, things you know take off from. I mean, it's already been kind of going all over the place, but things sure, take, yeah. I, they, I would actually kind of just uh, I would actually almost just start with like the entire movie. Um, okay. And like what your interpretation of the yeah, entire yeah. movie would have been, uh, if if uh, if that's cool. I mean, that's, that's what's, fine. And what's then we can narrow first... down its specifics. Yeah, are are we live right now? <laughs> are we what? <laughs> I was are like, we are we are we strategizing? Are we live? No. no. Uh, yeah, no. Hit it. I was making it more meta again. All right, I'm <laughs> staying on theme. Um, I was curious if we're in the spoiler world. Yeah. What was like one of the first things you noticed that was off? Like, what's one of the first image? Because I have an image. I'll, I can start this. I got it. Um, because mm-hmm. I thought one of the first things. I mean, we knew it was going to be off, but when you were like, so then you start looking, but like, uh, the thermostats, like, are okay. the, the not thermostat or the, the thermoses. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when he opened it and there were like a ton of them and it was like, what's that? Like, I, I thought that was like, that was, that kind of goes to the set design, like coolness too and stuff. But I, I was just curious what was one of the first images that you noticed that was off or oh, first piece I, I of have dialogue one. or something? I have, one, I have one right away because it's, it's, it's at the beginning of the movie. And it's not, you know, I, I've said this many times. I don't yeah. try to look for twists. I'm not that guy. My mind just doesn't work that way. I tend to, like, go along with the thing as it happens. But, I mean, the film's deliberately trying to put stuff out there. The, there's a shot of Jesse Buckley standing waiting for Jesse Plemons to arrive from mm-hmm. in the car, right? You see her look up, or you, or you know, whatever. There's a shot that cuts to the janitor watching her from the window. Right. Mm -hmm. The first shot you see is a different shot than the second shot you see. There's two different people. 
And so, uh, yeah. And so my, my, already I was like, okay, <laughs> like we're we're going we're going on a ride here because I know that was not the same person that was there a second ago. Um, yeah. So it, it almost looked like the first shot was Jesse Plemons. Yes, and then that's the second what I thought. Shot yeah. Is the old guy is the, jan- I mean? is the old janitor. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, movie already wants to try to do this with me. Let's go. The right. the second thing that occurred to me was the and I mean there's a whole conversation about it. it's not like it's a surprise but it's when she sees the jungle gym or whatever on mm. the road because it's so colorful and the mm-hmm. shot's so deliberate and so I'm thinking what is that doing there and then they have a whole conversation about what that's doing there so it's like right. okay, this is fun I'm enjoying this well yeah. and even talking about this I am just probably gonna have to take the plunge even though. I will say two hours and fifteen minutes is a little long for me I these agree. days. Right. Yeah, um, I, I hear I hear you on that for sure. It's a meaty and, film. Yeah, and especially uh, it's like I both welcomed and and was like kind of like not able like it's harder to process these days. It was like almost a play for. I so get it. Long. You're old. I understand. No, I was like, <laughs> well, I mean, I love we're talking Mulan. Like when Mulan was also two hours, but I was like, it's just like because it's all oh, we, we mentioned that it was too long. <laughs> it's so different that like. It is interesting how my brain has been like kind of handle set PC long versus like dialogue long. It was a little, it was a little different, but uh, I digress. Like, hey, what was a what was a fun Easter eggy or you know puzzle boxy thing? Yeah, that you I mean, you guys so. mentioned a couple of them too, but like what I mentioned in the in the non spoiler review, I dug when there's like uh, the shot of her soliloquying and then her sweater changes or not so she's monologuing talking about the poem she's reciting the poem to jesse um and her sweater changes from orange to pink and i was like did something just happen and then (laughs) but it stays on that that angle for such a long time and then it cuts back to like uh, a different angle and i was like okay cool i wasn't making it up in my head like my brain is still working Mm. but um there's yeah sorry no i was gonna say there's actually just a lot of like Weird, fun Easter eggs throughout the entire thing, but um, I do want to go like a twenty thousand foot level and like, you know, just kind of broadly, wise. yeah, just like what what was what was the movie? Well, uh, much like much like uh, Donald Kaufman in adaptation <laughs> wrote in his screenplay for the three, they're they're all the same person. Like that's yeah. that's what we're getting out of this. I I like to think we're on the same page that the janitor is is Jesse Plemons and Jesse Plemons made up um that the young woman. Like that they're not real. Am I? Yeah, yeah. no, good. That, that's <laughs> that's how Still I got it too. Page? Like it, it's not a Ruby Spark situation. It's just more like the old guy is an abused child, and he works at the gym that he went to high school at, and he's weird. He's eccentric, and as the movie goes on, it's just these people that he had made up in his head about like a, a version of him. And a girl that he has met, um, and how cool he is. And the cool factor is not not a Fonzie type; it's the intellectual type. And all this repression of memories of his mom just being like, you know, you're you're a pretty regular guy. Um, you're not really anything special. And how he fights hard against it um, to make himself build himself up. Like he was probably at one point very very like open to the world but all of his dreams just came crashing down for whatever reason uh and then you just get to the final part where he decides to accept that uh it's time to end things like for himself and that's why the the pig thing is is uh amusing but also like incredibly depressing and that's 
yeah, that's why I think that the last shot is just like the shot of the the car in the snow, like enveloped in snow, because he's he's gone. Uh, it's either he he's be uh, he's reached hypothermia. Yeah, um, he's, he's probably dead. No, no, for sure he is. But I mean, you know how but we he... don't. But how do I don't even know. I don't know. I I would say it's interesting. Like I was looking for everything, but mm-hmm. like I definitely didn't have as solid of a handle on the ending uh as i feel like you guys maybe did right off the bat like i I'm did some reading right i'm not doing right uh, off the bat as i said i've watched this movie a couple of times and i, I, yeah, I, I had read, time. reading a little bit i was like okay i accept some of what this person or that person is saying but right. i wasn't really and i and i very much was like i'm 100 percent on board that like Jesse Plemons and the and the janitor same same person yeah and for a lot of the movie I actually thought maybe at some point it was gonna flip or at some point like he was the future they were in the present and somehow right. like I kind of thought it was gonna be a instead of a, a an imaginary thing You're like a time thing yeah. especially yeah. with that really good line that she has where she's like time moves through us rather than we move through time. Right. And so I let, actually, let alone the fact that the parents are rapidly aging and de-aging. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and so I think in that way, I don't know if that's I don't think that's a failure of the movie. But even talking that out, I'm kind of like, well, did the movie steer me toward kind of a weird hypothesis that wasn't on the table? But I also have no idea what exactly happened to the janitor, because uh, even though I found it a little confounding at the end, obviously we got we can now talk about. This beautiful dance piece at the end yeah, yes. that it's you well have this amazingly choreographed ending uh, that that siphons into uh, and you get a dance piece. Then is it some performative? Is theater. it a suicide? Is it a death? I don't know, but it involves blood technically. But then, mm-hmm. like you're talking about the car in the snow, and then we also have this uh, Oklahoma like homage speech metamorphosis at the <laughs> song at the end. And so you kind of get a whirlwind of stuff where I was left knowing that nothing good, that the janitor seemed to just be a sad person who was most, who was harmless in the end, which means that Jesse Plemons character was likely harmless. Right. But I wasn't sure exactly where the girl's place was i knew there wasn't anything right about her but like well like there was lots off about about her and like and it seemed like she ceased to exist first beyond the jesse plemons beyond the janitor which kind of shows her place in reality well (laughs) Um, to to late to and not to i mean i guess i'm just putting on my own interpretation for the most part but i mean from what it seems is that Jesse Buckley is a character who he may have met or seen from afar or whatnot, and everything about her is just a version of what he thinks could have happened if he took a chance, which he did not. And we see this kind of idealized version that has different forms based off just how he seems to interpret different scenes, which is overall kind of sad because even this dream version of a woman that he's found is not, you know, perfect for him or like cause, or I mean, all that into him or all that into him as we're getting literal voiceover saying i don't know about this so right. there's such a lack of confidence which is i mean that that's a way to take a character for sure but as we kind of get to that that dance segments i mean it it seems like it's a, a it's another version of him seeing an idealized sense of place as far as we're together and here we can be happy and whatnot, only to have his own self-doubt 
literally come in and kill him <laughs> like and, right. and remove the possibility of anything like that because he's just not that kind of person uh and yeah. at that at that point that's when he strips off in the car presumably to kill himself because he's just not he just can't handle this world anymore that's the yeah. way i'm looking at it i i for the most part i guess <laughs> yeah for for the young woman character slash louisa slash lucy um the way that i saw it was that yeah it's just a, a girl that went to that high school and the reason why is because when there's the speech at the end with young jesse plemons or young him idealized him she's just a face in the crowd she's not actually in the front or whatever she's just there right and he probably was just like, well, that's probably a girl that I'm interested in. But like what Aaron was saying, he just never talked to her. And so he makes things up about what she would say to him. And that's why there's they're always like perhaps even fighting to some degree uh, in the car rides, which and are like, and all the things that we see are based entirely on everything we see in his room. Like we get a shot of his room that has like a Pauline Kale book, which he quotes when right. she's talking about the woman under an influence. We see a book on uh, quantum physics or whatever. We see uh, a poetry book. We see all of these things. They are ta- they are directly quoting or referencing these things that we see beforehand. Which it's just like there's so much there. Which again, yeah. that's the set. That's the second view and benefit right there as far totally. as totally. Yeah, I mean these things. And and I'm curious about you guys' take about this, which is just in the, in the beginning of the movie. First watch, first take, in the beginning of the movie. I mean, they start off with, like, your memory basically allowing you to take avenues that never really existed. So even from that, like, I forgot exactly what the quote is, but even from that, I was just thinking to myself, cool, well, I'm going to take things with a grain of salt because um, it's an unreli- unreliable narrator type situation. The only difference between this and something like Joker is that this is not trying to be like ultra uh, like uh, what Joker considers artistic. Um, and so uh, I enjoyed this one much more in terms of unreliable narrators. It's not like what a screed on the world that's masked as this kind of character based study that has yeah. underlying themes about society going on about society and about how it's, it's actually just like what if this. It's just one guy, you know, trying to deal with his problems. But, um, John, I, I am curious, like, your take on um, the old guy. Like, the you, you had mentioned that you're not really sure how he might have died. And the reason why I think that he just – it was hypothermia is because in the car before um, Jesse uh, Buckley. Buckley gets out, she's like, well, I guess if this is the way to go – Hypothermia. I might have hypothermia. I'd be okay with that. Yeah, there's a direct reference to it. Yes. Yeah, and then she gets out of the car, and then she just uh, goes into the class or into the into the school. Um, but you know, when he gets into the car later, the old janitor gets into the car. He does start stripping, and stripping your clothes off is like a sign of like hypothermia, where you think it's too hot, um, and so you strip down, and then you you freeze to death because um, your body's just like. You're doing the wrong thing. And then you have Oliver Platt as the pig guiding him to. Is that Oliver seems like Platt? The, it's Oliver Platt, yeah. It's a very pleasant voice. <laughs> he's uh, guiding him to the next, to the beyond, essentially. That's how I was looking at that, where it's this ideal version where he gives like a big speech as he gets a Nobel Prize. By the way, that whole scene is modeled exactly off of Beautiful Mind. Like the, 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 like, is that true? Yes, yeah. like, the, like shot okay. for shot. It's designed to be like a beautiful Because I was like, wait a minute. Did he have aspirations to win a Nobel a Nobel Prize? <laughs> I mean, they were talking about quantum well, physics and whatnot. So yeah. I, but I mean, it doesn't – I mean, it ultimately doesn't matter. It's just more of 
in this you know in this world where i did everything the right way this is what i got i got a nobel prize and everybody that i have ever interacted with is there to applaud me yeah and then i'm gonna i'm gonna croon to oklahoma (laughs) which i which i thought was very entertaining despite being the you know the final bit of this movie before a heartbreaking ending Um, and the old the old the old age makeup by the way also yes. funny to me, just because of well, how no. deliberately bad it seemed. Well, like, and everybody who knows, like, technically, that's, like, pretty much the level you do, like, in your high school. Exactly. Yes. exactly. That's yeah. exactly it. But, like, everybody yes. in the audience yeah. also had, like, basically yeah. the same makeup design. So it's yeah. just like, this is this is such a Kaufman kind of touch right here. Yeah, but that's it. But I, I'm so glad that you brought that up, John, because, like, some people were confused. And I was like, if you've ever taken high school drama, what they tell you to do is just, like, oh, have somebody squint and then draw like lines where like you see like the marks in their face and that makes them look old. <laughs> so it's it just, like let's powder your face and let's like draw all these lines on you. And I loved how like it wasn't like I guess you could interpret it. Oh, these are the faces of of people that have passed away and then they're looking at them. It's like no, it's just a high school production because he's stuck in high school. Like he can't ex- he can't get out of the uh, at least for me he he just can't get out of like where. A, he works, but also B, where perhaps everything went awry for him personally. You know what I mean? Like, the the where he works thing is, I think, more of it. And that's mostly because when they go to the Dairy Queen-esque place, it's like, you know, he says to himself, um, oh, I don't know who's working here tonight. Some some of them don't like me. And so uh, it's probably because he's like a weird creeper janitor guy, too. Well, again, like but the aren't there we, so the, many... The, the people we see in that, in that ice cream place... Two of the, the the two girls that are snickering at him are the same girls that we see in the high school earlier, along right. with the other woman that's like we see all those characters before. It's but just that also a... is, yeah, one of the more loose threads too of like the the one who isn't one of the two girls, and I mm-hmm. I haven't seen anything on like where did I I remember when I saw the uh, the trailer, I thought that girl was our main protagonist girl as a younger high schooler yeah oh interesting i thought so once again i thought that like i think even through there i thought it was more of a time thing so it is interesting speaking of which abe you asked about the whole thriller aspect but the the most frightening part of this movie was her interaction because every when she i get that it's i guess it's more supposed to be he's just really nervous about trying to talk to her because that's just like the memory he has but just the vibe she was giving just seemed like was she like abused by Jesse Plemons and so but like I didn't know what was going on exactly. Yeah, it, just it was seemed, the, the it one. Seemed, it seemed really creepy. For, mm-hmm. for the girl with the rash. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. the way she well, and the young woman were talking while Jesse Buck or Jesse, uh, Jesse Plemons is standing like in the background, back turned and everything. It's just like what happened here? Like, yeah, there's, there's that, like some that's weird stuff history. that makes you feel. Yeah, exactly. That's stuff that makes you feel icky about it because even during the. Um, like the operatic dance sequence. Uh-huh. Like what Jet John, you brought that up. It's like, uh, did something happen here? <laughs> you know? Like, are these real people? Did he base his mental configuration of himself off of two students that he did see? And did he try and like, you know, make out with this girl at one point? And did he actually kill this kid? Like, I don't know what's going on here, but it's it's uh like what you, we we alluded to earlier. It's confusing, but also clarifying. Um, and I, I don't know, because to you guys' point, uh, in that scene at the Dairy Queen, she finishes up by saying, 
I I think I've seen her before. And I was like, I don't think I have. Like, as an audience member, I don't think I have seen her in this entire movie. Like, did no, you guys remember? No, we had. I, like, she was she was in the high school when the janitor she was is. Okay. He's, he's okay. But again, I mean, going on the idea that they're all one person. Yes, she has seen it before because she's the janitor. <laughs> yeah, she's <laughs> like, the janitor. Of course, yeah. I don't know. But it's interesting because that and I mean, that's why I mean, I love these movies and especially like. I think there's a world in which you could, I could almost build a case for like more of a like people untethered from time thing on this until you get to the ballet and the Oklahoma fire. Like, mm-hmm. and, and then even after that, like represents like a, a passing of time with all the snow over the car. Like, and and so it's so interesting breaking it down because you are that girl's like you don't have to go with him and it's like what mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. like who's and, and it and so but then again you can look back and be like if this is all in his mind how interesting of a portrait of like when you try to imagine something and you're aware of the imagining how yes. you can lose control of it mm-hmm. and like it's so in, like I mean. The idea that she has, like, she gains, like, characteristics that we associate with him younger. Mm-hmm. And, like, and then especially, like, the basement scene. When, speaking of the other most ominous thing, it's obviously yes, exactly. scratches on the basement. Yeah. The table right. in the basement. And then, of course, when she goes down to the basement, it's it's not, like, a horror movie horrifying. But it is, like, the most epiphanic probably moment of the movie up until that point because we mm-hmm. there's no denying what's in the washing machine and then it's also fascinating like it's so it's such a compelling scene when she's looking at the art and you're just seeing all of the references and the people bleeding together and mm-hmm. that's when you kind of and that but then it snaps back for the ride back so you're like but that's like the when when the seeds of the ending are truly like planted or is in the basement and you just know and you're getting a sense that like everything is kind of bleeding together and what does that mean right speaking of that i would love to because i haven't really been able to place it but um what's with all the time change of, of his parents and and her still being in the house i can tell you what I've read. <laughs> I, I didn't have a good, I did not have a great explanation for it other than I do think you do get a sense of like, does it matter when she visits? Exactly. Yeah. Mm. That's a good way to read it. I mean, I, uh, I don't, I, I, I've heard other people articulate better that like, maybe he's like, I did, but my own interpretation was kind of like, no matter when she's there, like there's it's this mood prevails. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, that's yeah. a, I, I think that's a good that's a good way to kind of say it and you know and it's something digestible and simple. Like it, you're you're knowing you know knowing now that they're the same person. Like she's she he they've always known the the parents because they're the parents. So right. You, and presumably the janitor is older at that point. So we've seen we've seen the parents when they were younger, when he was younger. We see them when they were older, when he was older. And like the the function of the movie is what John said. It's like yeah, the the the, the trip itself is not 
essential because it, it's not really happening, right? Like it's not like right. it's, it never it never takes place. There's never a time where this actually take, happens. So it's just an interpretation of what it would be if this did happen, and it really doesn't matter when it happened, like you said, John. So I, I do I think that's the if you're if you're you've given this imaginary person this kind of time to meet somebody and just based off again what's going on in their mind you're seeing them go through the cycles of what it would be to watch the parents at this time in their life or this time in their life or mm-hmm. this time in their life there's probably more to it than that as far as why we're seeing specific times but that's the that's the best way I think we can kind of frame it, I think, right. as far as this goes. Yeah, and th- this is why I think, like, uh, John, to your point earlier, when you're just like, I felt like maybe they were living in, like, it was a merge of timelines, and, and we're going to realize at one point uh, that, uh, you know, she's just, she, our, our, the character that we're following is is actually um, converging upon, like, this place is, I don't know, the event horizon or something like that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and, basically, uh, right? I mean, the the movie does have a definitive ending, it seems. So like, it does, you yeah. know, whatever has happened beforehand, this is the last act of that. <laughs> so. Well, completely, yeah, yeah. But you know, I thought it was going to be like time travely ish, but it's it's probably more simple than that too. Like, you know, it, it's not. Um, what's the movie with Ethan Hawke where he time travels and predestination? Predestination, yeah. It's not that level of like weirdness. It's just more of, um, uh, yeah. I you guys you guys have a very interesting explanation of of uh, what it could be and so i didn't because the part about the photo which is in the trailer too where he's like why do you have this photo it's like what are you talking about it's like it's it's me and i was like no it's not it's me um and i was like what is going on here is is again is this like a splicing of the timelines i'm sorry a merging of the timelines or something like that but um yeah the parents thing was was odd it was not so off-putting. Like I thought it might have been weirder, but um, it was just um, fascinating to see these people, David Thewlis and and Tony Collette, just play different ages of themselves uh, as these characters because they knocked it out of the park. Like, well, was... I mean, David Thewlis is like I don't know if you've seen Fargo, the season yes. he was in, but yeah. If he wants to go that weird, like <laughs> unseemly direction, he can. He can. And he okay. does. Yeah. He's he has such a great physical presence too. Like he has such an interesting mouth. Like that's something I always walk away with. The way he just the way his face is shaped and stuff. Like it's just watching him and the way he says things because he has an you know he has an English accent, but like there's some very specific drawl that he does where mm-hmm. where it. It, it it makes it makes all of his line readings just like sing basically, and also the fact that he references Billy Crystal and calls him a Nancy just made me like out loud. Also, <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get to that real quick. Which is um this this janitor, he watches a lot of romantic comedies and that informs uh-huh. these things that he's viewing sure. in his head. Um, so that's why it's funny when Robert Zemeckis shows up as the director for this uh. When Harry Met Sally type comedy um, that he was watching previously before he went to work, right? It's such. Or a no, he's perf- watching it at work. He's watching, he's watching it at work. work. It's such a like. It, it seems like the perfect name to put there, where he wouldn't make this movie, but maybe he would. Maybe, like, maybe, I was like, maybe he would. <laughs> like it's just, it's right, it's just right on that cusp. 
<laughs> it's like there's no other name. Yeah. I mean, maybe or there is, but like just the the, the smash cut to directed by Robert Zemeckis <laughs> just seems so perfect. Yeah. Oh, it was great. <laughs> yeah, it, it was pretty hilarious. I was like, she doesn't have a wish. recommendation for you because she is a big guy. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say you loved me? And then she just like reaches over to take his hand. It's like it's such a it's such a romantic comedy cliche thing. The other thing about it is um you guys were asking about like some telling points. I, I did enjoy the 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 part where it's a dark moment in the car and it, it switches to that actress that plays in that mm-hmm. in a movie yeah. and she's continuing to talk to um Jesse Lemons. And then it switches back into uh, uh, Jesse Buckley, and I was like, "Oh wow, that was that was pretty clever." Because they it, again, it's not well lit, but you can definitely tell that there's like something off about it. And then you do see that it's her, or it's not her. Um, it's different different actors altogether. But uh, yeah, I, there was just so many aspects of this that I thought were weird, but then when you get down to like it, it's just memory plays a weird thing for you as you try and recall these memories that you have right and that's why things change that's why things look different um they never really i don't ever think intentionally eat anything like the only person that's eating something is jesse Plemons when he's eating the cake right yeah he takes a bite of that cake yeah. but he's the only one that actually ever eats anything during dinner and uh dessert right yeah the yule log um after yule yeah um jonathan you were mentioning like this is like an english majors movie totally Right. Like they're they're mentioning so many like they're mentioning David Foster Wallace. They have all these quotes about like death and dying and what is life. Um, poetry being read. Right. And uh, yeah, I mean, like. If somebody were, watch, were to watch this and if this was in the hands of somebody else who wasn't as crafty or perhaps as um, detailed as maybe Charlie Kaufman is, uh, you would have throwaway lines in the car. You know what I mean? Like they wouldn't actually mean anything, but because you are focused on the car for such a long period of time, um, there's actually a lot of weight in it. So I wasn't bored. I was paying attention and I was actually like trying to figure out what all of this was too. So totally right, John, about um, like all these reference, all these literary references. Uh, and if you were, have, if you were to have been read up on them, you probably would have been like, I see what's happening here. Well, I mean, this in Synecdoche, this even more because of its references, could be annotated movies. Like, if anyone was ever made to, like, put footnotes in their movies, mm-hmm. like Charlie Kaufman is. And it is interesting that much like that movie, he's come out and been like, I made this movie to be watched multiple times. And this time, it's out on Netflix so is like Netflix a perfect marriage for him because literally our boy Aaron over here could already get back in the saddle and like <laughs> and he didn't have to like you know he, he, I, I don't think there's very often where Aaron, you know Aaron might see something once a week <laughs> but he's not going to like maybe go the next day and like hit it back to back so quickly yeah uh, sure. and it, so it's kind of an interesting use of the medium. I don't know if Charlie's thought about that when he went to Netflix. I think probably he was more thinking, this is a place that will actually let me do my medium adult movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, it, it, I mean, it is interesting that like, like 
that you can so readily go back right away and like really dive into this because of what it's been released on. Um, well, I do. Th- I mean, I think that's a big benefit of have of having it in this place, especially at a time right now where you just you can't go to theaters anyway. But if this wasn't theaters, I don't. You know, that's not going to make money. Right? I mean, it's it's just like. <laughs> Yeah, it probably would have opened to like what two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. I mean, again, the movie—it's not like the movie's that expensive to begin with. But well, I, but the fact that there's a, a certain level of freedom afforded by Netflix, um, and the, given the streaming service, and I mean, it could be the same for Prime or Hulu or what have you. But because you have a medium where you can just go right in again, I can't think that he didn't use that to his advantage to some degree, as far as having that in mind while making the movie. Uh, maybe, maybe he didn't. Maybe I'm just completely off on that. But I, I, it does seem like here's a film where one knows that there's going to be a lot to discuss about it, let alone want to analyze. What better way to have that than have it on a, you know, on a platform where you can do that multiple times in quick succession? Mm-hmm. Is there a worry that this is becoming a gimmick for him though? What making movies that are hard to decipher? No, making movies where it's like. The first time you're paying attention to the narrative arc more, and then the second time you see like that's on the viewer though. Like that's I used to him. watch like, the he... once a year, and uh-huh. it was insane how once you're ex- every time there'd be new things to pick up that would make more sense because literally it was stacked with so much detail that like once your eye was used to seeing one thing, then it could pay attention to what else was on the margin of the camera. And I feel like this one's. Maybe not quite to that. It's not to that level. Cause no, nothing will ever. The, na- the nature of Sinecta Key doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> the same movie of all time. But like this one, once again, though, he is kind of. It's it's so fascinating because with Sinecta he came out and said, "I kind of did this because I wanted it to be like a play, where a play is never going to be identical every time you watch it." And sure. it seems like he's now stewarded this movie somewhat in the same way, where you're going to kind of see it differently each time. And so I, I, I think it's well, an interesting bandbox yeah. to play in because I don't know if anybody else is even, you know, doing it or yeah, I mean, attempting I, I think to do like it. The, the person that closely resembles like what you guys were talking about earlier in the review and this is probably like somebody like Alex Garland um, where people were like, Annihilation is too hard to understand. It's like, it's actually kind of not. But at the same time, like, aren't you aren't you fascinated by trying to like like to your point, Aaron, earlier, like, aren't you fascinated to try and challenge yourself? Not, not that you have to challenge yourself every time you go to the movie. Sometimes you just want to shut up and watch a movie. But, you know, like these ideas are fascinating, you know, like whether that is what was his what was his robot movie with Ava? Um, I, Robot. Ex Machina. No, Ex Machina. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I, Robot. No, but like with Ex Machina and just like clever, the clever uh, twist in that movie about like, well, you're not actually here for a Turing test. You are the test. Um uh, and then in Annihilation, where it's like, what does all this mean? Uh, I, I think that there's some good work being done by directors, too. Um, and that's why when we were mentioning whether this is straightforward or too convoluted, it's not as convoluted as maybe some other sci-fi high uh, high concept movies. Um, and again, I, I kind of just say that that's probably because of the adaptation of a book and so uh, he couldn't have gone full charlie kaufman on it he couldn't have written himself into the movie and then killed himself off by his he twin brother if kind he of wanted thing. to yeah <laughs> he definitely could have because he, he I, 
ended to, up adapting the script. To speak to a couple of things you brought up and, and both of you brought up, I mean, as far as adapting goes, I, I don't, I'm not going to give away spoilers to the book, but the they do diverge as far as okay. the endings are concerned. Um, but and, and as far as what you're asking, John, and what Dave, you're talking about, as far as like directors doing this kind of thing or like making something that's that can be re-examined the more you watch it. I mean, there's there's a number of directors that do that today. Um, I'm not going to like list them off, but I mean, there's specifically in kind of obviously the more art house, let alone foreign markets. Um, there are people that do that, but I mean, Kaufman, you know, he he's certainly you know his own individual voice, but it's not like it came out of nowhere. Like this is some this is I'm not saying this is entirely unique or that it's or that it's directly referencing anything that's come before, but Filmmakers used to do this more and on a more commercial level, no less. Like, well, he's I'll a tell guy... you, sorry, I, I'll tell you what I thought about watching this movie real quick, and then hopefully you continue yeah. your thought. But I just remember, and I wanted to say, it, is that a big, a big shining vibe from this movie? Yeah, no, no, no <laughs> doubt. I, I mean, Kubrick. It, I mean, Completely. I do think Kubrick is a complete yeah. example of that. But like, and that's what I'm saying. Like. there are movies that were mainstream releases with big stars that are not the easiest to grapple with, but certainly were made on a more frequent level back in the day when you could sell that. You can't sell that now because there's no capes, right? So, I mean, there's... Mm -hmm. But um, he's certainly drawing influences on these kind of older directors, let alone old just stuff, like the things he's referencing in this movie. I mean, there's a lot he's drawing from that makes him want to put his own version of that out there. And as far as if that's a gimmick to make a movie that has a different kind of feel the more you watch it or whatnot. I mean, if that's a gimmick, sign me up, because, yes, that's great. If you're going to reward viewers with wanting to keep seeing something and then interpreting it new ways, that just seems like you're drawing out the longevity of how much you can appreciate a thing. There's plenty of movies I rewatch that I know back in, backwards and forwards that don't change any time I watch them. I have no problem with that. I also have no problem with having a movie that's complex enough for me to be like, I think of it an entirely different way now. I mean, that's... That's the power of cinema, right? Like that's that's what you can do with that. Have a format where you can yeah. reinterpret your understanding. I mean, I think that's what a lot of movies strive to do as well. I mean, even the movies that we don't think are are super amazing, I'm sure that there's I elements. <laughs> Save the kid! Yeah. You should move here, your eyes closed. That's my line. <laughs> yeah, but like what you guys are saying, when movies are when you're open to rewatching movies. Whether that's you know a silly movie like I don't know I guess I Robot, I Robot, <laughs> <laughs> I, I or uh, movies like this where there are think pieces you know people people will do the rabbit hole stuff with these think pieces one because I think it's a, the cool thing to do um, so you'll see like immediate Reddit uh, pages up on it, about it and diagrams and whatever else um, but you know some people are also doing that that are not what we would consider auteurs or what have you you know i i can't think of something immediately but i know that there's movies i've rewatched where i was like oh that's actually really clever you that, that was actually really clever what, what they did there you know what i mean um or like oh i never even noticed that he's he, he's got the paint canister right there it's it's been in front of us the whole entire time so uh he's definitely the killer or whatever else so um i think that movies are great in that regard. That's why you should rewatch movies and they're, I mean, maybe not, maybe not revenge of the fallen or, um, uh, the one where they save King Arthur, but, uh, those are, are not very good, but still, I'm sure that there's like hidden gems in those. Any other thoughts on thinking of ending things? I think we've 
delved into this one pretty far. I like I, I'm really just I, we've we've talked about the the ballet sequence a lot, but again, is he a creeper guy? I don't think it's so I don't think a, so. I don't think it's so much okay. as being a creeper as much as it's just being a man who doesn't. His social Fit interaction in. skills are not yeah. at the highest. I okay. mean, that's, that's, okay. some people are. Yeah, to me, to me, I thought, I, I thought in the end, yeah, I think, I think actually what happened is that I, I don't know that I think he's worried about being that, mm-hmm. but, but actually, it's like, it, it's none of he has not done anything. To demand, he's not been active in doing anything. Yeah, he's only creepy in the fact that he exists. <laughs> I, I hear well, that, that he's, he's, a, he's an observer, like because yeah. because he's not because he's not being proactive. All he can do is you know observe from the sidelines, and you know that has an effect, and that could give off a certain kind of vibe. And I think the movie is very purposely tapping into that. But I don't think it's from my no. point of view. I don't think yeah. he's. I don't think it had. There, I don't think there's a sinister aspect to this, no. despite being presented that way in some instances on purpose. Yeah, I, I, I would definitely agree with you guys. I mean, there's not. If there was, I think that I would have definitely sniffed it out. But there was just this this air of I'm not really sure. The reason why I didn't think so uh, is because when he meets the fragmented version of the girl, you know, in the mm-hmm. school, mm-hmm. he tries to actually help her out you know? yes yeah. and so he's like oh i i haven't seen him and she describes she's literally degrading him in front of like in his own mind he's degrading himself he's like have you seen this guy he doesn't really know what he wants he's he's kind of like i he's not very easy to describe because he doesn't look like anything um and then he still is just like well you know i just mop so here are these slippers um and at which point she's like no I, i've got to go so bye um, and he just accepts it. So that's why I thought that it was, I thought that that's why he's, he's not a creeper, but at the same time I was like, I don't really know because it's we brought such a up lovely like thing, by the way, that whole, like, I'm just like that ending's so cool to me as far as how it like builds to this dance summer and everything. Mm-hmm. Like I was just so like into that. It's yeah. like, and I know it's going to be like, you know, not that I'm. Not that there are user reviews or whatnot, but I just I know that there's a lot of what the hell was this? And I'm just like yeah. sitting here thinking this is wonderful. <laughs> I do I do hate the standard I hold into a little bit though, because there's part of me that wanted to jump out right now and be like, but what if he cut like 15 to 20 minutes off of this? <laughs> like there were just some moments where I I did I I hate to say it, but I did check my watch a few times during this movie. I don't disagree. I mean, I I'm not saying I specifically checked my watch, but I know what you're saying. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, if you want to go by numbers, I gave it an eight out of ten. Like it's not a perfect movie. Few yeah, movies yeah. are, but like I I know what you're saying. I it, robot. It's not. I mean, yeah, I robots. That's a solid. <laughs> How did I um, robot get into? This I don't know. Aaron <laughs> just brought it up sixteen times. Well, I'm just I'm just trying. Know how he did because you you brought up Alexander. Uh, hey, I'm just trying. I just I'm just trying to remember the good old days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. When people were still killed by people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Percentages just matter. Uh, oh boy. I, I think the last question I have for you guys is, what was up with the basement? What was up with the claw marks in the tape? Well, see, that's that's the other thing. If the movie wanted to show you like a fucking hell demon popping out of the basement, then to, to imply that he's sinister, it would have done that. Right. So, like, that's more of a reason why I'm thinking. This guy's harmless. It's just like yeah. he's staging yeah. him. I, again, this way. is not even like to the to the guy's character. It's more of like I guess it could have been the dog, but again, I, I know that his parents weren't the best, which is very evident, right? Um, 
but I, I don't know if that was like, was he locked in the basement? Like, is this? I don't think it like, went that. Far. I think it was. I mean, you could argue that it was a device. <laughs> his mind's device to keep that part of his mind away from that part of his mind. Oh, I see. Well, yeah, that's the other thing too. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's probably the explanation for it. I was gonna say, is that the best sentence? To talk, that's like no, I mean, that, that, that deals with like the convergence sense. factor of all these different personalities. It's like, no, don't go in there because that'll ruin the illusion of what we're doing here. Or whatnot. Yeah. Right. Because then the she, goes down there, she goes down there, she sees the janitor's uniform in the wash, she sees the paintings on the wall that she didn't act, or the photos on the wall she didn't actually take. I mean, right. I mean, that, that's the other thing too is just, um, there's a quote unquote security measures. They're actually not real. John, you mentioned it. it's just tape. You know what I mean? Like, it's not even like there are no bolts or anything. It's just, literally tape and i think you mentioned this in the regular review or in the non-spoiler review it's not a scary dark basement it's yeah. well lit yeah you see nice everything mm-hmm. and there literally is just exactly what he described stuff in the house and also a washing machine so yeah i good good explanation it's probably just like where he doesn't want to go so he doesn't spoil this fantasy yeah. he's having in his head. If there, if there was stronger security, you'd have like dream agents popping out of guns like they do with Cillian Murphy in, uh, in Inception. <laughs> and then he's like, you know what? You see this drink here? It's sliding on an axis. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Guys, if you if you want to lament about not being able to see Tenet in LA, you can just talk, all right? You, you can bring <laughs> it to the you can bring it to the surface. It's okay. Uh, we we have <laughs> talked about it, and we're both upset that we're not seeing be able to see to see Tenet in theaters. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm not losing any sleep. Are you the either. cool guy that did see it, Al, uh, uh, John? What? No, I mean, I, is there ways to no. see it? <laughs> you can Possibly. go to you can go down to San Diego. Or you can go to Vegas. Ooh, I'm surprised. I'm actually surprised there, and maybe didn't do the old San Diego thing. Because Anna and I, I don't. I don't want to like. I don't need a drive-in for tenant necessarily. I'm waiting. I want to wait to see what this is going to be like before I make yeah. any major decisions yeah. on like how to do this thing. Also, don't give yeah. me driving. Give me that IMAX. Exactly. Yeah. That's the other thing. Well, it's like yeah. well, I, don't, I mean, a drive-in's a drive-in, but at the same time, it's like an IMAX is an IMAX. I mean, <laughs> like, I think what you're saying is screw you, Christopher Nolan, the homie Charlie Kaufman's like I'm delivering it to your living room. That's exactly Boom. right. <laughs> Exactly. The Plus, I have, I, I, I have iRobot on Blu-ray. I mean, I can put that on right now after this podcast. <laughs> Is that with Bridget or Michelle Moynihan? I can't remember. Bridget I never Moynihan can... and Bridget. Alan Tudyk and okay. uh, Shia LaBeouf, obviously. And Alan Tudyk is in that movie. He's the so he's Sonny the robot. He's the main robot. Oh, he's the, he's eye. the voice. Okay. He's the eye. He's the motion capture, not just the voice. Oh, he did it. Oh wow. Before this Rogue is... One, he was the robot, Ooh. not robot. K two S O ten. Yes, exactly that. Yes. So what you're saying is that this review podcast was actually an Iro. An <laughs> what, I, what I'm saying is that it, if surprise. What I'm this saying is, is that it's all if, happening in your head, John. When if people I, when saw I, the Easter eggs earlier in the podcast, they would have known we were going to finish this way. What, what I'm what I'm saying <laughs> is that if audiences listen to this podcast and it doesn't end at the with the last minute being the iRobot trailer, then we will have disappointed them. <laughs> Wait, do you guys hear that? It's a dog continuously shaking without stopping. <laughs> so no other thoughts on um <laughs> on, uh, uh, on, on when should people go and see this movie? Should it be on the top of the Netflix queue? What? Where where should this be? John? I mean, they should obviously see it like now. Like <laughs> after all the caveats I get, I mean, what are you gonna do? It's Rona times. Like challenge yourself. <laughs> Watch a crazy movie, then get on some, you know, 
Reddit thread or email your friend or call your parents and talk about it. Like this movie is made to be talked about and call like up. thought call about and read about. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> call up Charlie Coffin. He's probably on Cameo, right? You know. He can... Probably. <laughs> he's he's probably got a cheap price. It's like twenty bucks. Yeah, he's, he's not a he's not a Jeremy Piven. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Jeremy Piven's estimate what three fifty? That's crazy. No, I think it's like it's like a thousand, a couple thousand. A couple thousand? Who's gonna yes. give a couple thousand for Jeremy Renner to say happy birthday to you? Not Jeremy Renner. No, he no. Oh. Jeremy Renner's a bargain. Jeremy Piven. Jeremy Piven. I mean, still. Come Jeremy on. Renner will sing to you. He'll give you money and for his app. I mean, you know, you'll get the deluxe treatment with Jeremy Renner for a little, little price, I assume. Um, as for me, I, I think. <laughs> If this was in our, our old rating, I'd probably say, like, this is a dollar theater movie where it's still worthy to see in theaters. You don't have to run out and see it right away. Um, as far as, like, the Netflix queue goes, it's somewhere in between, uh, like, higher echelon of your queue. I, I mean, I would say watch this, Brett, when you can, with the asterisks being if you're into something that has, you know, uh, an inherent complexity in it because it's a Charlie Kaufman film or, you know, a director of the kind – you should be expecting that going into it. Sure. That's, that's the best way I'll put it. All right. Oof. That's been another extended review. Two weeks in a row, guys, talking it's extended reviews of movies here um, for I'm thinking of ending things. Yeah, there was a lot to talk about. But we're not done here because we still have time for some feedback. Feedback, 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 feedback. 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 That was good. Thank you. Thanks, JVD. Uh, this is where we go over the various questions and answers on our Facebook page, facebook.com/podcast. I asked a number of questions for the listeners, and then they gave us questions for us to answer as well. I will start this one off this week. First question here. What are some great films about awkward first-time meetings? Jeff rides planes, trains, and automobiles. Mm. That was pretty awkward. Any mm. others, John, I kind of mind? Awkward mm. meetings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lars and the Real Girl. But... <laughs> This is my new girlfriend. Um, I'm gonna, okay. <laughs> I'm just going to like probably answer this for everyone. I can, we can say Scott Pilgrim for this one. Yes. Yeah. yeah there you I go. Can. He orders things on Amazon for her to deliver it. Well, so she before goes that, through his Pac- head. Pac-Man. Paku Paku. Paku Paku. He's also weird because he dates high schoolers. He He's the janitor. <laughs> they <laughs> almost, have any they almost held hands once, okay? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, any any uh, awkward first uh, time meetings, Aaron? Um, that scene in Heat where Amy Brenneman tries to hit on Robert De Niro and he's just like minding his own business and he doesn't know what to do because he's a bank robber and not like person that like seeks out random women in Barnes and Noble. And she's like, all right, sorry, I bothered you. And he's like, okay, I'm sorry. And he takes her hand and it's like, let's start over. Doesn't he like? Doesn't he like look her up later? He's like, well, I guess she's a civilian, so I won't kill her. No, he doesn't look her up. He just he takes. I mean, there's no reason to at that point. He just realizes like, oh, by the way, I guess I should turn off my whole persona for a second and be like a kind human being. <laughs> Do you think that the first meeting that he wanted to invite her to was like a 3 a.m. coffee, like off the off the 405? Probably. Uh, yeah, perhaps or the 210. Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, this, I had another one and I forgot it now. It's okay. The okay. One's fine. <laughs> Uh, the next question is, what's your favorite film that has involved Charlie Kaufman? Uh, Adam, judging from the show, has Eternal Sunshine and the Spotless Mind for me, although Adaptation is wonderful, too. And Maxwell Hadid, friend of the show, has Eternal Sunshine, though I'm a big fan of his uh, Schenectady in New York as well. Uh, Charlie Kaufman movies. Adaptation or involved. is my favorite uh, of his movies. Uh, yeah, I'm, pretty I'm good. I'm a huge fan of Adaptation. There's not a one I dislike necessarily. Why did I even say that? Confessions of a Dangerous Mind is my favorite one. But that's like, it's not really him. Like, 
he wrote it he wrote it but like but like Clooney threw him off the set Clooney Clooney, oh is that true Clooney did his own thing with it (laughs) yeah he Clooney did with his own thing with the movie so like it's not a movie I look at necessarily as a Charlie Kaufman movie even though he wrote the screenplay for it but that is a movie I really 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 like so yeah now that you guys mention it and I'm thinking back on it I see the Charlie Kaufman aspects and I see now like probably what George did to it if that makes sense I mean, I think it's a good collab, except that apparently he didn't, they Charlie didn't, didn't think it was much of a collab. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, for me, Synecdoche is probably the best movie ever. <laughs> um, but like, but, but I also like, I have a Kaufman for everything though, because I think Adaptation is the most fun and just like breezy movie. And then I think Eternal Sunshine is very important for me at that time so it's it's hard for me to and i I really like being john malkovich i know that's one that's one where like i you know i was fairly young when i saw that the first time so it's grown on me over the years but john malkovich john malkovich john malkovich 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 john malkovich john malkovich Uh, and if you want to talk about funny things in coffin movies few things are funnier to me than the fact that charlie sheen and john malkovich are best friends in that film and he calls him (laughs) machine and malcatraz those are i mean (laughs) it just kills me It's on Netflix now if you haven't seen it. <laughs> Next question we have. We didn't get any answers for this one, so I'm just going to ask it anyway because I like the question. What are some movies featuring oddball parents? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oddball parents are very uh, – they're high in demand uh, these days. Um, I would say that uh, uh, Meet the Parents. Um, Robert De Niro plays a weird guy. Stern I mean, and austere but also weird. Amy Poehler like... and Mean Girls? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. What's his its name is Jack. What is it? Reacher? Jack? No. What is, Anna? What is his Because he... Uh, what, is what does he do? Jack Burns. That's what it is. It it's the scene where he he he's gonna read the um the poem that he's gonna like put next to like the urn of his mom or whatever. And he, he the way he introduces it, he goes like whatever the title is by jack burns like he just says it's like that's he's it's written down he's just saying it out loud it's just really funny like there's a lot of, <laughs> i'm okay with meet the parents i think the movie's really mean um and it doesn't make me like it as much yeah when i think about it but i do think what de niro's doing in that movie is very funny <laughs> mm-hmm. i i do get exasperated by that uh, airport sequence now because i'm like i yeah. have been in that position and well, now whole, i don't like that whole i don't think that it's whole funny. Move- that whole movie is Ben Stiller's doing nothing wrong and everyone's coming at him. And it's very frustrating. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's, he's uh, living in like a weird town. Um, well, okay. Um, John, did you have any oddball parents you want to reference? Uh, my, my Amy Poehler one wasn't good enough. Oh yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> Amy Poehler and Mean Girls. The, the next question we have favorite films featuring long drives. Mm-hmm. Todd Lehman, our friend of the show writes the Muppet movie. That's because a long they drive. To, it's so long. Yeah. They have to drive by map. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, the best way to travel, though. Yeah, he also draw. He also he also brings up uh, planes, trains, and automobiles, which we already mm-hmm. mentioned, and Midnight Run, another fantastic comedic De Niro performance in that movie. By the way, <laughs> uh, Chris writes The Hitcher. Mm. Yep. Long drives. Hmm. Little bit sunshine. That's a Ooh. good one. That movie holds up. By the way, I watched that not too long ago. I really like that movie. I wish I wish I had my micro impression of uh damn I forgot his name of uh Greg Kinnear? No, their grandfather. 
Alan Arkin. Alan Arkin. I can't do it right now though. I can't. I'm I'm just not in the right Alan Arkin mindset. That's yeah. a movie so good where I like Paul Dano in it. Because he doesn't say Ooh. anything. Yeah, because he just because he's mute for most of the movie. Yeah. But still. <laughs> so he can't annoy you. <laughs> um, movies with long drives. Hmm. I mean, the, does Fast and Furious count? <laughs> yeah, sure. They have to go to different continents. And yeah, they have, to, I mean, they have to drive from one building to the next building. I don't uh, know how like, long those drives are because the whole purpose is how fast they drive. <laughs> I like to just think of each movie as just one continuous drive. I guess if you go with Fast and Furious 6, it's a long runway. <laughs> that is a very long runway. That's like a. That's like yep, a, there you go. That was, long, that was a long drive. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. Uh, now we move to the questions that the audience asked us. This week we have one firm friend of the show, Adam Gentry. He asks. I know that many of us have turned to the uh, to favorite films for comfort this year. Uh, have there been any films in particular that the two of you, or three, uh, including John, of you have found reassuring and comforting? Do you guys have any movies that are your comfort foods? I mean, it's generally just my favorite movies, honestly. <laughs> like that's yeah. that's really what. Like it doesn't really matter the. I if if like the question is trying to reference like is there like a like a certain kind of movie or genre like not really for me personally like i don't i don't lean on you know a peep a, a very specific heat a very specific i robot a very specific comedy or something <laughs> that will like make me feel a certain way it's just more of i'm i'm just you know i'm always appeased by watching this movie because i like it so much as opposed to because it's this kind of movie right uh, that said i mean my favorite movies tend to be ones that are more fun than not so something like I don't know, out of sight, for example, uh, or just various Tarantino movies. I mean, just, I, there's a certain mood that that puts me in because I just like those movies and enjoy them so much, and there's a lot of fun to be found in them. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend me. to I tend to go for <laughs> movies that like to answer Adam's question. Just if there's movies that are reassuring and comforting, I will look for movies that are not too cacophonous and something like that. So I'll actually kind of tend to veer toward more holiday movies. Um, so something like a home alone or something like a Christmas story, I know that they're not all, all on year round. Um, but I'll, I'll kind of tend to go that, that direction because, uh, the settings are usually nicer. It's a nice time of the year. Um, and the movie is filled with Christmas joy. Uh, I don't really rewatch movies, although I do have like an increasing like i'm buying the classics that i like the most on either dvd or blu-ray just to have them when <laughs> like i guess the apocalypse comes or something i don't know but um <laughs> but i mean i'm the same where home alone for thanksgiving always but i'm not reaching for it right now <laughs> so i mean comfort food movie of all time is transformers the movie 1985 oh wow. to be stupid yes um and then and i mean and i i feel like scott pilgrim's that way for me too like i watched the the live reading this summer mm-hmm. and was like this is just this is this that movie to me is like line by line at this point and so those are some that i guess so i can lose myself in those if i reach for something just to have fun but to be honest i i would miss being a little bit more of a rewatcher, but there's just the avalanche of new things never stops <laughs> right. and killing all the new zombies is, is generally my pole position. And so I haven't 
So I try to find comfort in the new things that I can. <laughs> well, I, I'm just happy to know that if we ever do a Transformers the movie commentary track, I know who to ask first. She best. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I want to hear all your thoughts. On, yeah. <laughs> I want. I want to know all your thoughts on um on on J- on Judd Nelson as Hot Rod. <laughs> Judd, my name is Judd. Um, that's right. What is that? Is that is, is, is that? <laughs> that was a. Uh, that was a. Uh, I don't remember that line. I mean, in Transformers. I mean that's not even the right. That's not even the right name because it's Judge. Judge <laughs> it's Judge Reinhold. Judge Reinhold. <laughs> it's a. Uh, it's a um, uh, Arrested, Arrested Development, Development reference. reference. <laughs> <laughs> on the on the on the Edgar Wright track, real quick. You said Scott Pilgrim. Yes, I can watch that plenty. I've watched all of his films plenty, but Shaun of the Dead actually tends to be the one I go to the most. Like that's probably on a short list of movies I've seen the most in my life. I mean, it's very easy for me to put that one on. Mm-hmm. Well, there uh, you thank go. you, Adam, for that. Thank question. you, Adam. Good question. Thoughtful. And uh, yeah, exactly. With that, that's going to bring us to the end of this episode. Uh, you can find more of my work at thecodazeek.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I'm also writing movie reviews at We Live Entertainment, Blu-ray reviews at Wise the Blue, and doing filmmaker interviews for a variety. You can also find me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Uh, you can find more of my stuff over at uh, Instagram, Abe.Mua, and Twitter.com slash Wallersmoos. Hashtag John Malkovich, John Malkovich. John Van Dyke, where can people find more of you? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> you say, I'm not really doing like Twitter anymore as an active participant. That so. may, that, that's a good idea. Um, I guess like if you want to see some like cool international photos, like at J234VD uh, on Instagram, I still like having new followers there. Um, you know, and I I say wait on iRobot after all of a sudden. <laughs> I wouldn't, you know, um... I'm just going to put this pillow over my face and think about it and, you know, let the silence take us into the into the end. <laughs> wow. Makes sense to me. That was, uh, that was comforting poetic. and also kind of uh, spooky. And now I feel like, uh, you know, Aaron should come over to your house just to make sure you're going to sleep okay. <laughs> I, I'm thinking of ending things with John anyway. Uh, oh, that's that's going to do it uh, for this week's episode of Out Now with Aaron and Abe. You can uh, find more of our show at iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, and Stitcher. SoundCloud, Automatic, and HHWLD. Feel free to email us any thoughts you might have had about this film, because there's certainly a lot out there, at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can write our Facebook wall, facebook.com slash outnowpodcast, or send us some tweets over at twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. And after you follow John, feel free to follow us on Instagram at instagram.com slash outnow underscore podcast as well. Thank you very much, John, for joining us this Thank evening. you, John. Thank you, gentlemen. For sure. Glad to have you here. Look forward to having you back soon enough. Uh, next week's show, we'll be talking Antebellum, mm. the horror film of a certain kind starring Janelle Monet. But until then, and until next time, so long. And goodbye. And the shatter of a tree starts a dancing on the wall. And a dream starts a dancing in my head. And all of the things that I wish for. Turn out like I want them to be And I'm better than that smart Alec Cowhand Who thinks he's better than me I was hoping to see you again, Detective Think of me as your friend Why didn't you just hand the world over on a silver platter? Maybe we did We are on the eve of the largest robotic distribution in history There will be one robot to every five humans How many robots have ever committed a crime? How many robots in the world? None. There is no conspiracy.
conspiracy. What this is, is one mistake. Oh, hell no. Somehow, I told you so, just doesn't quite say it. Get off my car! I see you remain suspicious of me, Detective. You know what they say about old dogs? Not really.